Atlanta's July 4th tradition is back. There's really very few races like Peachtree. The 2021 Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peachtree Road Race. I would much rather be known as the world's safest 10K. No matter how you choose to run it, we're here to get you ready. Helps me stay in shape and build friendships and work off stress. You're listening to the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peachtree Road Race. What's it like to set a Peachtree record? Maybe most of us will never have that opportunity, but one of our guests on this week's podcast did just that just a couple of years ago, and he got paid for it too, Jay. So I'm super excited about this week's episode. We're going to feature some of the wheelchair division athletes, what goes into becoming a wheelchair athlete, and some of the stories behind that with Becky Washburn of Shepherd Center. But your guest, you had a chance to catch up with Daniel Romanchuk, and catching up with him is a tough thing to do, especially if you're racing. <laughs> oh boy. It's pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, in three short years, Daniel Romanchuk has become synonymous with the peach tree. He's won the last three editions of the race. Last time we had it in person, he did it in dramatic fashion. 1811, the time he won in, in 2019, it shattered the old course record. We thought, you know, he had a chance. We thought he'd break it by one or two seconds. We knew he was the best in the world, but he came across that line a lot earlier than I think any of us anticipated. And he won $50,000 for it, which is the biggest prize ever paid to a wheelchair athlete in the history of wheelchair racing in any distance, marathon, 10K, 5K on the track. And speaking of all those things, Daniel can do all of them. He just finished up a track circuit overseas. He did another track race in Arizona this past week. Wow. He's racing a lot these days and getting ready for the 2021. Well, it's technically called the 2020, but we won't go into that. The 2021 <laughs> Paralympic Games in Tokyo. And part of that buildup is the peach streak. Oh, awesome for him. He's staying busy and he's going to explain more a little later on today's podcast, how he stayed busy during the pandemic and training at a time when it was really tough to do so. Plus what he did with that prize money. I also noticed he took part in this week's big reveal of this year's Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peachtree Road Race t-shirt, Jay. That came as a surprise for a lot of us on Wednesday morning. It's weird to be talking about Everybody knowing what the peach tree shirt looks like in early June. Yeah. <laughs> um, because usually there are people on our team, on our staff, that don't know what the peach tree t shirt looks like until July 4th when the first person crosses the finish line. But in this world where there is still a virtual running of the race and there are still thousands of people who are unable or not ready to join us in person here in Atlanta. We're going to be mailing out shirts next week. And we thought about asking all 3,000 people that are in the virtual race to keep it a secret and keep the shirt off social media, but we weren't sure how good our success rate would right. be. Right. Yes. <laughs> we, tough to do. we thought we might get like a maybe 2,000 of them to comply. Right. <laughs> um, but figured that that shirt would end up on social media. So we enlisted a bunch of our friends and gave them a shirt, friends that we could trust. Mm -hmm. And we captured the moment that they saw the shirt for the first time and, and used that to reveal this year's shirt. And, you know, Jennifer, you know, I'm a traditionalist and mm -hmm. I know you are too. So it felt very weird <laughs> and it didn't feel quite right. And I hope that next year or, you know, we were able to figure out a way to bring back that finish line tradition, but this is a close second place to that, at least in my book. We had a lot of fun putting it together and putting it out there. Yeah, if you know anything about the history of this race too, you'll see some familiar faces. Go check that out if you haven't already on Atlanta Track Club's social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I uh, saw Bill Thorne on there getting his shirt. How's he doing this summer? 
He's doing good. I call Bill every once in a while to give him an update or let him know what's going on. And uh, I called him to give him a phone number he was looking for. And his wife answered the phone and he said, well, he's out getting in his miles. So I'll have to call <laughs> you later. So so Bill's getting ready for Peachtree number 52. Still the only guy that's done them all. And he did two of them last year because he did the one on Thanksgiving. And he also did his own 10K on the 4th. So Bill is as good as ever. And he is doing it virtually this year. We will say that he's not quite ready for the crowd. Yeah. Um, but he's doing it nonetheless. And he is one of those people that will get his shirt in the mail next week. Now, I don't think Bill's tweeting. Um, so I don't think <laughs> he's going to be the one that blows up our, our cover. But, <laughs> right. uh, but yeah. <laughs> he is doing the virtual race on July 4th. Well, we love catching up with those we've had on the podcast here over the years and such a streaker, the ultimate peach tree streak for Mr. Bill Thorne. Look forward to seeing how he does on race day. And what about you, Jay? Are you going to take your shirt with you? You're about to hit the road. We talked about it on last week's podcast here. If you didn't catch that one, go back to episode one and listen. But Jay is headed to Tokyo very soon. Are you taking the T-shirt with you? Yes, I am. So I signed up for the virtual race. So I'm going to pick up my, I'm going to take advantage of my connections uh, and take the shirt with me. My plan is to run in Tokyo on what will be July 5th over there, because I'd like to do it on the same day as everyone is doing it here in in the US. So I haven't plotted out my route yet. And I have to take a bunch of time off to quarantine when I get there. So I will not be properly trained, but hopefully (laughs) we'll be able to muster through six miles. It will definitely be hot and humid uh, on July 5th in Japan, July 4th in the United States. But I'll take my shirt and I hopefully we'll send everybody a picture. And, and thanks to everybody who listened last week. I was really blown away by the number of notes and texts and Facebook messages I got from people who heard about the trip on the podcast and reached out to wish luck. So um, I really appreciate that. Thank you for listening and, yeah. and thank you for reaching out. And this is the cool thing about the podcast and about the virtual race option too, Jay. We have people listening all over the world to this podcast and participating. If they've ever been a part of that peach tree tradition, they can check in, see how the race prep's going. So we love hearing from our listeners here on the podcast. And it just points out what we celebrated this past week, which was Global Running Day on Wednesday. That's the really cool thing about this sport, Jay. There's something that brings us all together. I know we'll all be running in spirit with you, even though you're doing this race in Tokyo. Yeah, Global Running Day is one of my favorite days of the year because obviously I love running. We had a blast uh, yesterday morning. So today we're recording on a Thursday. Wednesday morning we met on the Beltline. We encouraged people to wear their favorite Peachtree shirt, whether it was their volunteer shirt or their finisher shirt. And we had such a great wide range of shirts, uh, some that I had not seen in a long time that showed up to run. And that was why we picked yesterday to reveal the shirt. We figured Global Running Day, Peachtree, whether it is in person or virtual, has been a global event for the bulk of its history, bringing in runners from all across the country and all over the world. So what better day to do it than Global Running Day? And, and we had a blast yesterday running together and then you know, hearing from the people who are running in their own locations and, and celebrating Peachtree and the fact that it's just a short month away. And we love how this race brings people together. And again, if you have a question you'd like us to address here on the podcast, or if you'd like to maybe share some of your favorite Peachtree memories or even your favorite shirt with us, reach out to us on social media or through Atlanta Track Club's website. Nothing matches the energy of the world's largest 10K. That's why Georgia Power is proud to support the 52nd running of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peachtree Road Race. Visit georgiapower.com slash energy efficiency for energy-saving tips from start to finish this summer. 
Well, in 2019, we celebrated the 50th running of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Here in 2021, we're celebrating the 40th running of the Shepherd Division of that race. It is one of the most exciting, is one of the most looked forward to pieces of the Peachtree every year. And that's in big part thanks to the people at the Shepherd Center that bring it together, that bring in world-class wheelchair athletes from all over the world. And the woman behind the program is Becky Washburn, she's the pro motion manager at the Shepherd Center running their Beyond Therapy program. And Jennifer, I know you got a chance to sit down and talk to her this week. One of the great things about returning to in-person racing for some of us at this year's Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peachtree Road Race is the chance again to pass by Atlanta Shepherd Center along the course and cheer on the patients as they cheer us on. But after such a challenging year, Becky, tell us how the patients are doing, because again, that was one of the big things really missing in last year's race. Yes, and it definitely was a disappointment for me as well. It's one of the reasons I've continue to do the race is to give our patients the opportunity to see these athletes and get inspired to maybe not do the race, but to do other things. So this year, our patients have received care. It's been a little different than previous years, but we have been able to do outings and get out in the community. We have been able to keep our patients safe and fairly sheltered. And it's just been a different year for them as well. Well, we're looking forward to seeing them outside the Shepherd Center this year. And in terms of the wheelchair division, something exciting. I'm glad that we're back to in-person racing because we get to celebrate a milestone. Can you tell us about that at this year's Peachtree? Yes, it's our 40th running of the Shepherd Center's wheelchair division of the AJC Peachtree. We're very excited about that. We do have a smaller field, but with COVID and some of the restrictions that the track club has put forth as well as Shepherd Center to make sure everybody is safe. It's a smaller field, but still an exciting field. And we will look forward to celebrating the 40th and maintaining our great relationship with the track club. So are the wheelchair racers, are they participating on both the third and the fourth, or is it just the fourth? We will only be participating on the fourth. Good to know for those of us who are out there on Independence Day itself. And I always say, Becky, if you've never seen this or if you're a first timer for the Peachtree, you should get there early and watch these racers go off. Of course, everything is a little bit different this year, but it's always just inspiring to see what these athletes do. I mean, it's one thing to lace up your running shoes and go. It's a whole different story for these racers. And I have to imagine that that's the rewarding part of your job, seeing people come back from sometimes very traumatic injuries and really find a new purpose, a new passion with this sport. Yes. And Part of our patients being out on the street watching these athletes compete is, for some people, the aha moment that they get. And I remember Colby Higgins, who watched it, I guess it was five years ago, and then competed in it. And now he is part of our racing team, and he now works at Shepherd as well. And it was those steps out on the street that got him where he is today, and it is really inspiring. 
Wow. I love those kinds of stories. And again, if you're just looking for some inspiration for that weekend, at least pay attention to the updates from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Check out some of the photos, too, because these athletes are going so fast. And that leads me to my next question here, Becky. We're going to hear a little bit later on the podcast today from Daniel Romanchuk, who's really made an impact on this sport at a very young age. You know, he spent some of his downtime during the pandemic working on some training videos for these athletes, you know, showing them some of the ropes when it comes to some of the equipment. And I'm wondering, where do these athletes train? Because it's easy for you and I to go and lace up our running shoes, go for a run, but it's a whole different production when you're just trying to train for this wheelchair division. Yeah, and I think this year, our track team did a lot of Zoom sessions with on their rollers. Uh-huh. Um, they did get to meet up a couple times over this past year on the Silver Comet and do some in-live training. But Everybody had to be creative this year with the training. And I know that these athletes just finished competing over in Switzerland on the track. And Peachtree will be a good tune-up for them heading into the Paralympics. They're always fascinating to watch, and I'm so glad that they've been able to keep up with their training despite all the challenges of this past year. And in terms of the wheelchair division this year, can you highlight some of the athletes that maybe some of us aren't familiar with but are really making an impact on the sport and really an inspiration for athletes who are coming up in the wheelchair division? Definitely Daniel Romanchuk, and he kind of followed in Marcel's kind of progression where Marcel hit the road at a very early age and made an impact, and Daniel's doing the same thing. Tatiana will be back, McFadden, always an inspiration to watch. We have Aaron Pike coming back. He also competed in the Paralympics in the winter time, and he's quite a talent as well. So I expect a great race from all of them. We have a lot of new racers this year, which is really exciting to see what their impact on the sport will be as well. Well, it's going to be fun to watch. Is there any prize money up for grabs this year? Yes. The track club and I, or Rich Kana and I, have continued to make a commitment to maintain the momentum that we did two years ago when we added the 50000 horse record bonus for both the foot race and the wheelchair division. This year, it'll be a 10000 horse record bonus, and then also the top prize for the foot race open men and women and wheelchair division open men and women will be $7,500 each. So we're continuing to push towards equality. And I do appreciate their commitment to helping me do that. Because uh, Daniel even admits a little bit later on in our conversation today that that prize money was a huge motivator. And it's something very different in this sport, isn't it? Yeah, Peachtree's prize for the wheelchair division is one of the most lucrative wheelchair division prize purses for a 10k and these guys haven't been able to race and they haven't been able to earn money so this will be a great exciting day for them to kind of get back to some normalcy well we're looking forward to getting back to some of that normalcy ourselves but in such a big year where we're celebrating again the 40th wheelchair division race at the AJC Peachtree Road Race I mean can you talk a little bit about the history there too Becky because again this is something where you're giving athletes such a huge opportunity and I was kind of shocked that it's been around that long Yeah you know it's because of the Shepherd Center and the Shepherd family that has been committed to this race and making sure that we could be a part of it. And the history, you know, all I can say is we used to be and still strive to be 
the best 10K as the foot race does as well. And at one point, this was one of the major races that you could come to because not all the races were exclusive. What I'm most proud of is that Peachtree and other races have pushed the sport so that racers can have choice to go wherever they want in their home community, across the country to be inclusive in other races. So I think that's what I'm most proud of is the inclusion of wheelchair racing in other races. And I think it just does such a great job of highlighting what you do there every single day at Shepherd Center. For those who are out-of-towners or maybe first-timers here in Atlanta, I don't think they probably realize what a resource we have right here in this city for people who are suffering you know, spinal cord injuries, brain injuries. You do such great work there, and this just kind of showcases what's possible for people in tough situations. Yes, and I think for out-of-towners, they'll kind of feel that magic and excitement and inspiration when they run up the hill on the 4th and see our patients out there. It's a magical moment. It's always my favorite part of the race when I go in the pace card to see everybody out there. It really is inspiring. I always say it gives me goosebumps every single year. So I'm so glad we're back in person and able to cheer on those patients along the course and cheer on our athletes in the wheelchair division. Becky Washburn with Shepherd Center. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Peachtree Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's one of the moments I'm looking forward to the most, Jay, on July 4th as I'm out there on the course is coming up that hill and seeing the patients there. I'll uh, take a little cell phone video. I normally never get my cell phone out on the Peachtree course, but I may do that for you since you're going to be running virtually this year. You don't even listen to music? Are you? Do you just go with the sounds of the crowd? Oh, the sounds of the crowd for sure for this race. This is one where you don't need the earbuds. I always tell friends who are doing it for the first time, don't bring the earbuds. You'll be just fine. Just soak in the sights and the sounds along Peachtree. Even if the crowds are smaller this year because of COVID, Mm -hmm. I think that it's still going to be something just to hear what Atlanta sounds like on July 4th and just hear the footfalls of fellow runners. I mean, we haven't heard that enough, right? Where we've been running virtually, all we hear is our own breath and our own feet hitting the pavement. It'll be nice to to be surrounded by other feet hitting the ground. So Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to hear that sound again. And so I would really appreciate it if you recorded it for me and (laughs) sent it to me over in Japan. Will do. And uh, looking forward to seeing all those moments. And we enjoy that 6.2 mile trek. I think we're all going to enjoy it just that much more this year in person. NCR is a proud sponsor of the 2021 Peachtree Road Race because we love the word run. It's how we support banks, stores, and restaurants by delivering everything they need to run their business end-to-end. Learn more at ncr.com. Jay, you mentioned last week that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peachtree Road Race really falls perfectly for a lot of our athletes who are training for Tokyo. And our next guest today is one of those who will eventually be joining you over there. Yeah, I think we're going to miss each other, unfortunately. Uh, I wanted to work both the Olympic and the Paralympics, but Daniel's going to come over for the Paralympics. I think maybe we'll see each other in the airports. (laughs) (laughs) But Daniel Romanchuk will, without a doubt, be representing the United States in the Paralympic Games, which start in, I believe, late August over in Tokyo. And the question is, which event or which events will he be representing us in? Because he's 
good at everything from the 800 to the marathon. In fact, he has the world record in both events. Um, so <laughs> that's some range. But in the 10K falls right in the middle of those two things. And we've found that he's pretty good at that too. Oh, it's going to be exciting to see if he can break even more records overseas. But Jay had a chance to catch up with the guy who shocked many with his record-breaking win here on the Peachtree course just a couple of years ago. And joining us today on the Peachtree podcast is the three-time winner and course record holder at the AJC Peachtree Road Race, Daniel Romanchuk. And, and Daniel, where are you joining us from today? Uh, so today I am uh, in Champaign, Illinois. I know you've been traveling a lot, so it must be nice to be home. We're going to get into that in just a bit, but wanted to just ask you because this road racing world is a small community and you, you get used to seeing people in person, but I don't think anybody's seen a whole lot of anybody over the last year and a half. So how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, this past year and some has been uh, quite interesting. From a training perspective, throughout the pandemic, I know there hasn't been a lot of racing. Has it been a an opportunity to maybe do some training you wouldn't normally do? Has it been an opportunity to take a break? How have you approached it? Uh, so this year, training has been kind of uh, changed up a little bit. And so uh, really, it's been a, a huge uninterrupted training block that we've had. And uh, so I guess to start back in March, I was actually in Maryland. I was getting ready for a race up in New York. And that's when uh, all the lockdowns and everything happened. And uh, so I was there for quite a while. It was still okay because I uh, was able to get out onto the roads. And we had some, I think, a 50-pound bag of wheat that I could do some lifting with uh, and stuff like that. But uh, it was all good because I also had time to do things that I normally wouldn't be able to do like kind of get back to my uh, youth sports program and do some coaching with them. Uh, so I met with them on uh, Zoom weekly for a little while and uh, went through some workouts with them and also was able to put together a little bit of a equipment series with uh, one of the other racers, uh, Krieg. is a very weird, but uh, it was productive. <laughs> Is someone who you race a lot, I mean, from every distance from the track to the marathon, and I know you're getting back to racing now, but during that time, you know, I'm sure it could have been easy to say, you know what, I'm not going to go out and train today. I don't have anything on the calendar. How did you stay motivated to get out there? Uh, yeah, you're, you're right. It uh, certainly is difficult to stay motivated sometimes, but really I just try to take things a day at a time. I don't look too far in the future. I just say, okay, what do I have to do today? And just work on that. You know, I knew that uh, eventually the competitions will return. And that, you know, if I, uh, you know, keep working on things during this time, everything's going to come together when the competitions return. I watched the equipment series that you did on Facebook, and I thought it was really fascinating and really well done. How did that idea come about? Who? Uh, well, that could be a really long story. <laughs> but basically, my mom and I had kind of been throwing around some ideas on trying to put together a, an equipment series for either new racers, new coaches, really anyone who wants to learn more about the sport, as far as the mechanics of uh, the chair and all of that. Because I remember back when I was, uh, you know, say seven or something at a race, I would be scared to pump up my tires because I didn't know if that valve 
was going to just have a mind of its own and just let all of the air out of my tires. And I couldn't figure out how to make it work. So I wouldn't have any air. And so just remembering back to those days and just kind of thinking how uh, useful it would have been to have just resources about basic chair maintenance and things like that. What has the response been? I mean, have you heard from young athletes who have learned something from the video series? I know that it's got a lot of views. Has the feedback been good? Oh, yeah. I've had some athletes kind of reach out and say, you know, hey, you know, how do I do this? And I basically just say, hey, you know, there's a great couple of videos up and, you know, this is where to go. So, yeah, it's had a great response. You also kept the community engaged in a lot of the virtual racing that you did over the last year. I saw what you did with Boston. How has the camaraderie been from afar with some of the, the men and women that you're used to, you know, literally, you know, going neck and neck with on the roads? You've done a nice job of keeping that alive. How has that been from, a, from an experience standpoint for you? Oh, it's been great to, uh, to be able to, to see people on Zoom and things like that. Um, kind, kind of hard to explain. Um, but yeah, it's been a great thing to be, still be able to, uh, to see them. Teammates, uh, international athletes. In April, when the Boston Marathon was supposed to happen, my mom and I had kind of uh, organized a little bit of an event for Boston because they just, all of the races mean so much for all of us. Uh, you know, they, they just do so much. And I think it was, it was great to be able to, to see everyone. So now you're getting back out on the race circuit. I, I know you were here in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago and got to kind of blow the dust off of racing for the last couple of months. What does a typical training week look like for you? I know you, you talked about lifting that 50-pound bag of, of wheat, and I know you have to do a lot of strength training. What's a typical Monday through Friday for you? Uh, so a typical uh, week of training is six days a week, one to two times a day, and it'll be an hour to two hours per session, kind of depending on what we have that day. We actually don't lift too much. That's something we don't want to do too much just because uh, we want to keep certain things uh, very flexible. It's a very technique-driven sport. And so sometimes just having that extra technique might be better than having an you know, extra bit of strength. But yeah, we'll uh, typically get out onto the roads or track whenever we can. And then in the winter, we have... Uh, what are called rollers is basically uh, our version of treadmills. And so uh, we'll be on those throughout the winter. Being on a treadmill is just a mind-numbing experience, especially when you're training for a high distance. How do you keep your mind focused when you're doing that repetitive motion of just being on the treadmill for an hour at a time? Oh, uh, it sometimes can be uh, a little difficult, but I think, you know, we're usually not in there alone. Everyone's kind of in there uh, together, non-COVID times. Uh, we're doing the same workout. And also, sometimes the workout themselves kind of keep everything busy, you know, it's, if it's kind of uh, sprint work and things like that. So uh, it's sometimes not too many opportunities to fall asleep. I know that you're, the racing schedule is ramping back up. You're about to travel overseas for a series of meets. What's on your schedule between now and Tokyo, and how are you ramping yourself up for the, for the 2021 games? So I'm uh, about to head out to Switzerland for a set of meets out there. 
that's the first big international competition that I'll, uh, I'll have been to since I think, uh, Dubai. And then, uh, I have the desert challenge games there right after that. So I'll be coming home, uh, and then heading straight back out to that. That's in, uh, Arizona. And then after that, I think the next thing is trials. And so I'll be, uh, kind of putting my plan together for uh, what I want to potentially do at the games as far as track is concerned. And then it'll be the first road race for about since Oida, which will be the Peachtree. So that's kind of the schedule leading up to uh, the games. I want to come back to Peachtree in a second, but I have a a couple more games related questions. One, you mentioned thinking about what your track schedule is going to be. Have you not decided at this point which events you'll go after in the trials? Because I know you kind of mastered them all. Are you still deciding which distances you'll go for? For the most part, I have what events I'll be doing at trials, but uh, there may be one or uh, so that I might not decide to do at the games. Do you have a favorite between the track and the marathon? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I think I've grown to really like the road. You know, I've learned more strategy and things like that and just built up endurance over the past few years. Uh, and so that's a tough call. <laughs> but anytime I get to get into my racing chair and to push with everyone, it's a great day. It feels like there's a headline every day about what's happening in Japan and whether there are going to be games this year or not. And I have to imagine as an athlete training for that specific goal, that has got to be very stressful. (laughs) You got to train for it regardless. How do you block some of that noise out? It certainly can kind of be difficult to block out some of the news and things like that when you hear about all of the different possibilities, but really just kind of going back to taking everything one day at a time. I'm fortunate to not have to truly rely on the games completely. I do road races and other things like that. And so while it is certainly a highlight, it's not the only thing that's out there. It's a good perspective. We want to go back to the Peachtree because you mentioned it's going to be your first road race back, which is super exciting. I remember the first time you came to Peachtree, I, was, I think it was probably 2017 or 2018. You were not the world record holder, winner of every marathon major that you are now, but you still kept coming back after achieving all those things. And so I think that's a testament to you as a racer, but also to the Peachtree. What, what kept you coming back even after you had so much success for our little 10K here in Atlanta? I think it's uh, a lot more than that. (laughs) There's a lot about it. I'll start here. I I personally like to climb. uh, And so uh, (laughs) climbing up cardiac is uh, not an opportunity I want to miss. But also just everything, uh, going back to cardiac with all the patients at the Shepherd Center who come out to cheer on uh, all the racers. from a young age, it's been a race that I've always heard about. It's got a special place. Also, back in 2019, with the equal prize money bonus for the course record, there are a lot of things that keep drawing me back, and I will keep coming as long as I can. That was an incredible day. I, you know, I will never forget standing at that finish line for as long as I live. I, I thought maybe we'd have one person break the course record 
maybe on a good day too. And to have all four winners break the course record was just something I don't think any of us believed could happen. And, and it did. When that news came out that that was the bonus that we were going to try to to give the $50,000 time bonus to all four course record breakers if possible. Did that change your training? I mean, did you have that number written down somewhere ready to come out and break that record? I think it probably did. I, I leave a lot of the planning and stuff like that to my coach. I've always been one to just do what they're told and, you know, just uh, know that, you know, they have the experience and everything. So just trust the process. But yeah, I, I honestly did not believe that number when I first heard it. I was like, did someone press a extra zero or two somewhere? <laughs> uh, but it was just an incredible day. And uh, <laughs> what's the most fun thing you did with your winnings? Did it all go into savings? Did you buy anything really cool? Like what happened to that? Still have a mortgage to uh, okay. to work at. So I've uh, been chipping away at that. Some of it's gone back into the sport, you know, producing things like the equipment series and just doing things like that, you know, giving back to my youth sports program, you know, just various things like that. Whether it's a $50,000 course record victory or, or a win on the track, how do you celebrate wins in, in big races? Usually, uh, right after I, uh, you know, try and get to see my family uh, as soon as I can, you know, whoever's there. At some point, we might go and do something together. Really just spending time with family is a great thing uh, after pretty much any race, regardless of outcome. Well, hopefully we're giving you a reason to celebrate again at Peachtree in 2021. I know that that fourth victory is maybe not at the front of your mind just yet. You got some track races to get through, but as the summer creeps on, I thanks so much for, for taking the time to, to talk to us and uh, we'll see you in a couple months at the Peachtree. Oh, thank you. And Jay, I understand uh, after you talked to Daniel there, his mom actually emailed you to share even more of his story and what he did with those winnings from the Peachtree a couple of years ago. Yeah, Daniel's mom also serves as his manager and has really been done a great job of making sure that he is entered in the best races and meets and has good relationships with event organizers like us here at Atlanta Track Club. But Daniel is one of the young stars of wheelchair racing. He's you know in his early 20s, but he's already thinking about the future of the sport. In fact, he donated a good chunk of that bonus money to the University of Illinois, which is where he trains along with Tatiana McFadden, Susanna Scaroni, and a lot of other big name wheelchair racers. That money is going to fund production of a wheelchair racing curriculum at the school, which hopefully will produce some more stars that, that can come up and, and challenge him over the years and maybe break some more records. Maybe mm. break the 18-minute barrier at Peachtree. Who knows? But really great to know that he's really investing in the future of that sport. And at such a young age, I know uh, it sounds like this sport has been everything to him. I love that he's passing it on. So we're going to be rooting even harder for Daniel now, knowing what a big heart he has as an athlete. Yeah, he's hard not to cheer for. As fun to talk to as he is to watch a race. Your Atlanta area BMW centers are proud to be the official vehicle of the 2021 Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peachtree Road Race. Be sure to experience the performance of the ultimate driving machine at the Peachtree Health and Fitness Expo presented by Publix with a test drive. Plus, receive a $1,000 credit towards a new purchase. 
Well, remember here on the Peachtree Podcast, if you ever have a question about your upcoming race, if you want to know some of the changes in a year like this one, we encourage you to reach out. We actually had one of our podcast listeners reach out on Facebook last week, Jay, asking about the expo hours for this year's race. So how has the expo changed and what's the deal there? The expo is going to be four days this year. What's the reason behind that? Well, it's because we want to make sure that we spread people out just like we're doing on with the two-day Peachtree race on July 3rd and 4th. So we'll have the expo on June 26th and 27th. That's a Saturday and a Sunday, as well as July 1st and 2nd. That is a Thursday and a Friday. And you will be getting it. If you're a participant, you'll be getting an email from us in the next couple of weeks asking you to tell us what time and which day you're coming. So on the 26th and 27th, the hours are 9 to 7, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. On the 1st and 2nd, they are 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. We want to just make sure that we never have a huge crowd of people in the Georgia World Congress Center Exhibit Hall C2 at the same time. So trying to really spread that out evenly Mm -hmm. and give people a weekend opportunity and a weekday opportunity to do it. The big difference at the Expo this year, besides this four-day Expo, is that it's not going to be the expo that you're used to. A lot of Peachtree traditions are pivoted just a bit this year, and this is one of them. It's going to be a place to pick up your number, a place to get important information, shop for some official race gear, but we have far fewer vendors this year as we have in the past just because we want to make sure that it's not an indoor gathering space for for thousands of people at the same time. But we're really looking forward to bringing back the Peachtree Expo that you know and love in 2022. Yeah, and another change for this year, and if you have questions about some of the changes, again, just reach out to us through social media or Atlanta Track Club's website, and we'll try to get those questions answered for you here on the Peachtree Podcast. But coming up next week, Jay, I know we're going to focus on the people who really make this race happen. Of course, the staff there at Atlanta Track Club is always heavily involved year-round in planning for this race, but you couldn't do it without the thousands of volunteers. And I would imagine in a year like this one, you probably need more volunteers than ever. Yeah, we're thankful that a lot of people have decided to volunteer for both days. So we might not need double the amount of people, but double the amount of hours. So it's a big commitment and we understand that. But it is, as you say, what makes the Peachtree go. And we are looking for volunteers right now to sign up. We're doing great. We've got a, a good number already dedicated, but we are signing up volunteers up until July 2nd. And so why do you want to volunteer for the Peachtree? Sounds like a lot of work. Well, it is a lot of work, but it's also an incredibly rewarding and fulfilling experience. And it allows you to be a integral part of one of the most important things that happens in Atlanta all year. Plus, you get a really cool shirt. Um, yeah. That, the finishers don't get. Um, so we're going to talk to our volunteer manager to tell us about some of the jobs that you can do, how you can run and race so you can actually do both things. And then we'll hear from a volunteer who's been doing this for a while and can tell us some some pretty cool stories about what it's like to help the runners get from Lenox Square to Piedmont Park and play a big role in that journey. Well, of course, if you want to go ahead and sign up, Jay, I'm sure there's a place to do that on Atlanta Track Club's website this week if they don't want to wait for the podcast next week. That's right. Just click on the Peachtree badge at the top of the page and then click on volunteer. You can find your volunteer opportunities. We're still looking for people to run water stops, be course monitors, help us move people out of the park, work at the expo. There's lots of jobs open and we would love to have you there, whether you're racing, volunteering or doing both. So check out that information and of course, check out the podcast, the Peachtree podcast right here next week. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Thanks to this week's sponsors. For more information, visit atlantatrackclub.org. 
Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ATL Track Club. A DYJ Media Production.